Well, please turn with me in our Bibles this evening uh, to the book of Psalms, and we are uh, continuing our series through uh, a collection of psalms known as the, the Songs of Ascents, and this evening we're turning to Psalm 131. And uh, in the church Bibles, you'll find that on page 519. Psalm 131 at verse 1. It says, a heading, a song of ascents of David. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. In school, uh, it is oftentimes a practice uh, for students to have to memorize things. Uh, You might have to memorize a poem. You might have to memorize uh, some uh, historic writing. Uh, And maybe we can remember back to our school days or we can think about our present schooling when you're you're asked to memorize something. Uh, But there can be a a sort of excitement when you've been studying something, you've been reading something over and over, and you can finally say, I've memorized uh, that piece of writing. In fact, you could even hear yourself saying, perhaps, I've learned it by heart. But it's one thing to be able to store that uh, information in our head, to be able to say it back, to be able to have it stored in our memory. But it's another thing for that truth, that knowledge, that information uh, to get down and to really shape the way we live our lives. Uh, we, can know our thing, we can know things in our mind, uh, but it can be very hard or it can be a much longer process before we actually have learned it by heart. Psalm 131, like many of these psalms that we have been looking at, uh, is a very short psalm. It is one of the shortest psalms uh, in the Psalter. Uh, And so while it is uh, a psalm that could be very quickly memorized, some of you might be able to memorize it uh, even before you get home uh, on your drive home tonight. You could read over the psalm and you might be able to memorize it even before you got home. It would only take a matter of minutes perhaps, but it can take a lifetime really uh, for us to learn by heart what this psalm is talking about. And this evening we want to see that because the Lord is trustworthy, uh, we are to trust in him. This psalm uh, is really about being quiet on the inside. And I have been helped in my study about this psalm uh, through uh, a Christian counselor uh, who recently passed away, a man named David Paulison. Uh, He wrote a very helpful piece on this psalm. Uh, about thinking about it uh, as a psalm about being quiet on the inside. And we want to look at the psalm uh, through that lens. That it uh, is something that we learn uh, that has uh, a lasting effect on the way that we live our lives. But when we think about 
the psalm in that frame of mind. This is a psalm about having a quiet mind. It begs the question ourselves, do we have a quietness that shapes the way we live our lives? Or is there a, a whole lot of noise that is going on that really disrupts and disturbs us and prevents us from the enjoyment that comes of trusting in God? Are there things that are wearing us down with a bombardment of fears, uh, of concerns, of worries, of longings uh, that pass through our experience, but ultimately are depriving us of the enjoyment of uh, looking to the Lord? And we want to look then at this uh, psalm in that sense. Uh, are we living with fear of the future? Are we anxious uh, about how others look at us? Uh, this psalm is really about someone who has learned to have a quiet mind uh, and someone who has learned it by heart. We read there in Philippians, and Paul, uh, in writing to the Philippian church, uh, spoke of the God of all peace, uh, giving them peace a peace that surpasses all understanding, and a peace that will guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. It is proper to think about this psalm as really the mirror image of what Paul was talking about. The God of all peace will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. David is simply describing that from the vantage point of before Christ came. He's guarded, and so he can live with peace as he trusts in the Lord. Paulison recommends looking at this psalm in three helpful thoughts, and so we will follow that as well. He recommends looking at it in terms of the posture, the process, and the petition. And so we want to look at uh, this short psalm with those three ideas in mind. But notice how the psalm begins. It says, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with, uh, with things too great and too marvelous for me. He says three things there uh, about himself. And you notice that all three of those things, things are actually stated in the negative, which should alert us to the fact that he is sensitive. He is conscious about what he is resisting. Uh, he is conscious about the traits that he is not wanting uh, present in his life. And the first thing that he says is that he is pushing against pride. He says, uh, oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. That his life is not one that is uh, consumed with self. Uh, that is really what pride is. Pride is to be absorbed in yourself an inflated view of self and a shrinking view of everything else in proportion. Uh, it is to be an enamored with oneself above all else. And it is intriguing that that's where he actually begins. The first thing that he stresses is, is that he has not puffed himself up in terms of his own importance, of his own uh, uh, standing uh, that shapes the way that he lives. The book of Proverbs actually warns about the person who lifts up their heart. The person who lifts up their heart is the person who is uh, exposed ultimately to destruction. That pride comes before the fall. A puffed up heart comes before destruction. And so here, 
this psalm of David begins by saying, pride has not been shaping my life. The second thing that he highlights about himself is, is that arrogance is not there either. Uh, he says, quite uh, closely related to it, he says, my heart is not lifted up and my eyes are not raised too high. Pride naturally leads towards arrogance. If I have an inflated view of my own importance, the natural repercussion of that is, is that I'm going to look down on the interests or on others in general. I will, if you think of the, the saying, to lift up one's eyes is really to think about others as beneath you, as less important. And so here the idea is, is that he is not puffed up with pride, but neither is he looking down on others as being inferior to him either. Uh, this is not a superiority complex that is shaping his life. There is no arrogant disdain. The third thing that he mentions about his posture. So pride, he has been conscious and sensitive to combat that. He doesn't want that to be part of his life. Arrogance is something that he is sensitive to trying to avoid and to withstand. But the third thing that he avoids or that he is combating is this unrestrained ambition. Notice that at the end of verse 1, he says, I do not occupy myself with things that are too great or too um, marvelous or wonderful for me. When we hear the word ambition, uh, we may uh, normally think of things that are good. Uh, an ambitious person is someone who looks at the situation around them and they have a strong desire for change. They have a strong desire for excellence. They're not satisfied with things being mediocre. Uh, they're not satisfied with things as they are. They see that things could be improved. And an ambitious person is someone who takes that upon themselves, uh, wanting to pursue change. They want to see things happen. And all of that is good. Uh, there's nothing wrong with striving for excellence. There's nothing wrong with seeing that things could be better and trying to improve things. But what this psalm is talking about here is what we might think of as unrestrained ambition. When that desire, when that pursuit has no limits, when it's not guided by any reference point, but it simply is bent on the craving of satisfying self. This psalm, we said, is a psalm of David. And you see that lived itself out in David's life. You remember David was destined for greatness. He was anointed by the prophet Samuel. He was going to be king over Israel. But you remember that David had opportunities to kill Saul, the king at the time. A king who was trying to kill David himself. But David did not reach out his hand against the Lord's anointed. He did not try to take things at any cost. Instead, he said, who am I to reach out my hand against the Lord's anointed? If the Lord wants me to be king, he will make me king. But I'm not going to force it. That was a posture of humble dependence on God. And so as we're thinking about the posture that is being described here, this man who has come to have a quieted mind, this man who is resting in his God, 
He's describing his posture, but he's doing it by describing what has been extracted away from him. And this is where David Paulison is so helpful. Because as Paulison is describing this psalm, what does it look like to have a quieted mind? What is it really that is making us so noisy on the inside? When all these messages are bombarding us and weighing us down, when we live with fear, when we are anxious about the future, when we're comparing ourselves with others, Paulison says really what David is doing here is he is highlighting the things that contribute to that noise. And if you just take this psalm and you invert it, you make it into its anti-psalm. You begin to see the noise that, that afflicts us and that troubles us in this life. When David says, my heart is not lifted up, he's, he's insinuating, he's implying that, that pride is actually a contributor to the noise that, that affects us. That when we live with an inflated view of our own selves, when we're pursuing our own greatness, it actually contributes to our own misery. Because now we are bent on trying to make ourselves great, to being great in the eyes of others, of achieving greatness for ourselves. We're starting to take on this expectation of ourselves, trying to be uh, something ourselves. So he says here, my heart is not proud. But the second thing he says is that uh, his eyes are not haughty. He does not look down on other people. He's not trying to make himself better than others. He's not trying to be a savior of others. He's not trying to be the fulfillment of other people's expectations. He's not living controlled by the way others look at him. He's not proud, but neither is he arrogant. He's able to look at things in a, in a balanced way because he hasn't put himself at the center. He's able to put God at the center and other things go into their proper place accordingly. And so when he says he's not lifted up his eyes or his heart uh, uh, in pride, his eyes are not raised too high, and he's not occupying himself with things that are too great or too wonderful, David here is acknowledging that these are the things that ultimately contribute to the noise. When we begin to live and chase after things that are too difficult or too great for us, when we start to act as if we're God, I need to know this in order to live. I need to be able to attain this in order to be satisfied. David is assuming a posture of dependence. And that posture is one in which he can say, I have quieted my mind. I have learned through experience what it is to trust. The second thing that we see in this psalm is not just the posture that is being described, not proud, not arrogant, not unrestrainedly ambitious, but the process uh, is also mentioned there in verse 2. One person has said, we always learn through a process, but in principle, there are not gradations. They're not degrees. You either have learned it or you haven't. You either uh, have it or you don't. And when you think about the imagery that is being used here, you either have a nursing uh, infant, you either have a baby that is being nursed and dependent on the mother's milk, or you have a weaned child. It's one or the other. 
And so while there is this process here, it is also something that is, uh, it is either realized or it is still something that has not uh, yet uh, been uh, truly brought to pass. But as David says in verse 2, he says, I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. David is not saying that he's suddenly become a stoic philosopher. Uh, he's not saying that he's indifferent, uh, that he is, uh, uh, has no cares or has no concerns at all. That's not the attitude that David is talking about here. Rather, he is talking, the picture that is being described here is one of a satisfied contentment. When you think about uh, a newborn infant, uh, and a baby craves the mother's milk. The, the baby is insistent, uh, is panicky, is fussy, uh, is agitated until the baby gets what it demands, what it longs for which is the mother's milk. But here, the, the description is uh, the movement away from that process of a newborn infant. When the child has become weaned, it no longer needs the mother's milk. It's able to sit on the mother's lap contentedly because it is under the care and it has been provided for, even in a way that they, the baby may not have been expecting or wanting. The baby now has moved on to solid food and is able to be content uh, with the care of the mother. There's been a definitive shift that has taken place. But how does that happen? How does one move towards this position where we are able to be content and resting in God's care? David here is talking about something that is not automatic. It's not just a switch. David's not talking about something that is just uh, the result of one's circumstances. David is not even talking about something that is the result of using our own self-will or our own willpower, of just choosing or deciding to stop being so proud or just deciding to stop being uh, so arrogant. Rather, this is a work in which God has been changing the individual. You remember how the prophet Jeremiah would say, can the leopard change his spots? Then also you can do good who are accustomed to doing evil. That change ultimately is a change of the spirit that causes a person to move in their attitude about what they want, about how they view God, about how they respond in their circumstances. It is not something automatic. It is something that is learned. It is to be satisfied, uh, not with what they formerly craved, but now with what has been given to them. So how does a person quiet their own soul? It is not their natural temperament. It's not their circumstances. It is what they've learned from God. When they have become satisfied with God above all else, when God intervenes, shaping and molding their heart through their own experiences, they are able to relinquish the clinging to self and they're able to rest in God's care. 
They are satisfied with God above whatever noise is filling their mind. They're able to accept the fact that they don't control everything, but God does, and God is good. They're able to see that their success is not ultimate. They're not absorbed with comparing themselves with others. They're able to accept God's ordering of things and to faithfully honor him in their own situation. It's by listening to God's word and then to live in light of God's truth and the noise takes on less of an effect. All the chatter about your, your significance, of your accomplishments, of your meaning, the views of others, the concerns about the future, all these things start to go into the background. And we're being dominated by the, the voice of God. What has God said? Can I trust in this God? Will he care for me? And David here is in this posture where he has said, I... I have become like a weaned child. I can rest contentedly. Like Paul would say, I know what it is like to abound, and I know what it's like to be humbled. I have learned to live with plenty, and I've learned to live in want. How do you come to that position? I have learned it, Paul said, through my experience of what I've come to know about God. We come to see God's care, ultimately, uh, through his word, through what God has done in Jesus Christ. You remember when, when Jesus was teaching his disciples, when they were wrestling about who would be the greatest in the kingdom of God, you remember that Jesus put a little child before them. And he said, unless you become like a little child, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Why did he pick a little child? A little child is completely dependent. They are living, trusting in the care of their parents. They don't know half of the concerns that are going on around them, but they know they're safe with their family. And Jesus says that's what it's like for a believer. They are living confident because they know in whom they have trusted in. David here says, I'm like that little child. I am dependent on God, but I know who I'm trusting in, and he's worthy of my trust. And so while there can be all kinds of noise around David, he's fixated on his God and what his God has revealed to him. We see the care of God ultimately in the Lord Jesus Christ. We see how Jesus came uh, to bring us rest from sin. Uh, Jesus ultimately does things that are too marvelous, too wonderful, too great for us. We recognize that there are things that are beyond our ability to know, but there are also things that are beyond our ability to do. One of those things is to get rid of our sin. There are things that we cannot do ourselves. I cannot undo the past. I cannot erase my guilt. But there are things that God himself can do. Jesus came into this world to take the burden of sin on his shoulders. He came to lay down his life as a sacrifice for many. And when Jesus did that, he shows the care of God. He's done things that are 
wonderful, things that I could never do. But because he can do wonderful things, I can trust in him with the things that he has revealed to me. There are things that have been revealed to us, and we are to live in light of them. Jesus gives us rest from the weight, from the burden of sin. Jesus, as we were reading this morning, says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. God has done something truly marvelous in the Lord Jesus Christ. He has borne the penalty of sin uh, at the cross. But Jesus also gives us rest from the noise that causes us to become weary in this life. When the noise becomes loud, he cares for us in our need and he assures us that he is in control. While there are things that do extend beyond our ability, God is able to set things right and has done that and shown that in the Lord Jesus Christ. So this posture of a quiet mind, not proud, not arrogant, not overly unrestrainedly ambitious, is a posture that comes through this process. It's something that he learned. He has moved from this position of being desperately panicky and fussy and demanding to ultimately trusting in his God because he has received the care of God himself and he knows that God is trustworthy. That change, that process of trusting in God's care is what this psalm is all about. When we put God first in our life, it shows the inappropriateness of pride and arrogance, but it also leads us to where we can find peace and to enjoy the quietness, to be able to rest instead of being tormented by worry and fears, by anxiety. Jesus ultimately is the solution that we need. He cares for all of our needs. True contentment, then, is not found in our comforts. It's not found in our circumstances. And if we live that way, we are essentially saying that our contentment can be taken from us once our circumstances change. David here is saying he's found contentment even apart from his circumstances. It's what Sinclair Ferguson would say is a divine logic. It's understanding things in light of God's word and then working them through in our life's experience. These things have implications and they shape the way that we live. And so how does this process work? How does a person come from being demanding and anxious and filled with worry to a place of quietness? It's what they've learned of God. It's what they have come to rest in God. And so we can begin that process when we ask the question, what has God given to me? Has God given you anything? Has he given you a savior that provides for your needs eternally? Has he given you Christ who cares for you and who is in control of all things? And if you can say yes to that, then you can live in light of that. If he has given me this, 
then I can trust him with all the rest. There is a quietness that comes when we rest in the Lord's care. So there's the posture. There is also the process of this change from a newborn infant to a weaned child. But then finally, there is the petition in verse 3. He says, O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. David exhorts the people of God. He exhorts others to likewise quiet their soul by trusting in the Lord. If we put our trust in ourselves, it'll only lead us to frustration and agitation. The, uh, the unknowns of how it all comes crumbling down, the what ifs. But if we trust in the Lord, we can have hope. Do you remember the previous psalm? It was a psalm about putting one's trust, one's hope in the Lord for pardon. Hope in the Lord, for he will redeem his people from their iniquities. We can have our hope in God to save us from our sins. And this psalm just carries that on and says this hope actually broadens. We can hope in God for the salvation from sin, but we can also hope in God with, with everything that his purposes are good. And so he's worthy of our trust. And so David here exhorts others uh, to put their hope in the Lord based uh, from the standpoint of being content in his provision. This is a short psalm. It is a psalm that is easy to commit to memory, but it is one that takes a great work of the spirit to cause us to learn it by heart. Have you come to learn what David is talking about here? To be able to rest in God's care. To realize that God does care for us. And we see that in Christ. He's provided one who takes the yoke of our sin. The one who has enabled us to live under his care. And one who is in control of all things. May God give us the grace to trust in him and to experience the blessing that is being spoken here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do pray that you would help us by your spirit to not only know what the scriptures say, not only to memorize the word of God, but we pray that by your spirit, we would learn these things by heart, that we would ourselves come to know uh, the truth and the comfort of trusting in your care. And so we pray, Lord, that you would help us not to live in fear, that we would not be controlled by uh, anxious thoughts, but that we would be able to live uh, by the power of the God of peace and the protection that you give to us to guard our minds and to strengthen our hearts. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.